Welcome to another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences, Inc. I am Dr. Steve Wood, and today I have a panel here to talk to me a little bit about remote depositions in this day of COVID. We know that remote depositions are becoming something that are more commonplace. So I wanted to have a discussion with these three individuals, kind of what their experiences are. And with me, I have Michigan attorneys Colleen Burke, James Hunter, and Carrie Melconian. All of them are from the law offices of Collins, Einhorn, and Farrell. How is everybody doing today? Great. Great. Thanks for having us here today. Sure. Great. Thank you. Good. I'm, I'm going to be anxious to hear from you, each one of you guys, because I'm sure each one of you has a different perspective. And I wanted to mention, too, that, like I said, you, you guys are in Michigan right now. So we all know kind of Michigan is, as you said before, is leading the pack in not a good way as far as COVID goes. So I'm sure this is going to be interesting to hear your perspectives on this, especially being from a state that is a lot more restrictive on how they're going to do it. But first, before I want to start, I just want to start with you, Colleen, and if you can just kind of give the viewers and the listeners a little bit of background about what your area of expertise is and, and how you approach and what your approach is to the law. Sure. Um, my practice focuses on professional liability defense. I represent uh, professionals such as lawyers, engineers, accountants in negligence or uh, malpractice cases. Um, I also represent lawyers and judges in misconduct and discipline matters. Um, we, we, our firm does have a, a, a large professional liability department, um, of which Jim is, is part of. Um, I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself and, and give his background a bit. Yeah, uh, same. I'm, I'm also uh, one of Colleen's partners in the uh, professional liability defense group. I'm also part of the commercial litigation and trucking and transportation uh, defense group. Uh, I think one of the interesting perspectives you'll hear probably more so from Colleen and I is our experience with non-lay witnesses because we do do a lot of um, work on behalf of attorneys who, who might be more um, familiar with uh, Zoom and courtroom procedures depositions than a, a lay person might be. So it's, it's interesting in how, how I think you might hear from Carrie who does a lot more work in other, other areas as well with how our, our preparation and strategies might be a little different. Sure, Carrie, let's hear, let's hear from you. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, again, thanks for having us here. Um, I work in the general and automotive liability practice group. Um, I also specialize in the defense of construction defect and injury claims. Um, so essentially I do a little bit of everything. Um, a lot of personal injury work, a lot of litigation between um, premises owners, tenants, landlords, um, commercial lease disputes, and you know defects. People aren't happy with, with their home renovation, new homes that have been built. Um, so a lot of my caseload is unique um, in the sense that I'm not dealing with one particular claim every day. I handle um, a number of wrongful death claims at any given time, deaths that arise out of a number of circumstances, um, motor vehicle accidents, construction accidents, slip and falls, you name it. Um, although I don't handle the volume of legal malpractice claims that Colleen and Jim do, I have um, handled some in the past. Good. So it sounds like each one of you kind of has a wide breadth. So I'm sure each one of you are going to have something different to contribute to this. But I want to start with Colleen on this topic. 
kind of what, what's been your experience that you've found as far as doing remote depositions via Zoom? Actually had a, I'll, I'll say a positive experience. Um, you know, Michigan, like most of the, the country shut down last March um, with, and at that point we didn't know when, when the return to in-person uh, meetings and depositions would, would, would take place. So I think a lot of us just kind of um, adjourned depositions with the thought that, you know what, give it another 60 days, we'll be back at it. Um, but when that actually did not come to be, um, I like most everyone else, you know, just decided to throw myself into the Zoom world and see how best, you know, we could conquer it. Um, and for the most part, what I've found is that if you do the proper prep work, if you prepare your witness, you prepare your exhibits, it can actually go fairly smoothly. Um, the biggest, the biggest thing that I've had to figure out is how to work with exhibits and the depositions. And for me, what's 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 worked is that I've always. Uh, prepared my exhibits maybe a few days beforehand and then sent them over to opposing counsel or or sent them to to the witness so that they have the opportunity to number one either look look over them or print them off you know whatever makes them comfortable um i've found that if you do something like you know a share screen situation that might be a little cumbersome you might not get the exact same result that you that you want um but again you know for me so long as as the prep work is there um, with the exhibits and with the witnesses, I've, I've had, I've had um, successful experiences. Yeah. Carrie and Jim, either one of you, how, how's it been for you guys? I, I agree with Colleen. Um, you know, in the beginning, we were all of the mindset that, you know, this uh, pandemic and, and the related shutdown was not going to last for more than maybe a month or two. Um, so a, a lot of um, depositions, hearings, and other scheduled events were just pushed out with the hope that we would resume normal activities, um, you know, late uh, summer 2020 or, or whenever. Um, but obviously, that's not the case. And as, as you mentioned at the outset, our cases, unfortunately, are increasing. Um, so it's going to be some time before we get back into in-person uh, proceedings. So it has been an adjustment process for me. Um, you know, I... I have had to, you know, learn how to share my screen, learn Zoom. Um, I agree, it's really important to share your exhibits in advance because if if there are technical difficulties, um, either on my end, the witnesses end, whomever, um, the witness presumably and opposing counsel have hard copies or at least access to my exhibit, so it's not going to delay or interrupt the proceeding. So really, the the preparation is a little different, you know, because when we were doing depositions in person, you have your your stack of papers and you could, you know, show them to the witness right at the table. And we, we don't have that opportunity now. So I, I think it's best to be, to take a preventative approach and, you know, share everything um, ahead of time. And, you know, that way there's really no excuse as to, you know, someone not being able to see the screen or read it if, if they've already been provided the document. That's a good point. And Jim, I actually wanted to, it brought up something that when Carrie was talking, I wanted to talk to you about it. Have you guys been prepping your witnesses all over Zoom or in doing your training, witness trainings and that over Zoom, or have you been doing any of it in person at all? That's a good point. Uh, it's something I, I think Carrie and I were actually talking about before showing up today. It's not, it's not just that the depositions themselves are remote. Most of our preparation is too. There was a little bit of a, in the summer, we had a little bit of a break where we you know, maybe had a couple in-person meetings here and there, 
where necessary or, you know, had some type of hybrid depositions where with, with, for one, I, I had uh, an expert witness. Um, we prepped in person together following safe COVID protocols and had the deposition with other uh, attorneys. Uh, they appeared remotely. We were in person together. That helped a lot on our end um, in defending the deposition um, with prepping lay witnesses. Uh, it's it's a little bit more difficult, and I, I think that when they're they have not been exposed to the the court system before, maybe haven't been deposed before, uh, you lose some of that physical connection that with, with those face to face meetings that I think are pretty helpful in reducing stress, anxiety about the process. So it's tough, but again, preparation is key, and um, uh, and even before uh, Zoom. Sometimes we did do those preparation sessions over phone uh, or in other other ways. So it's case by case situation. And as long as you feel comfortable that your client understands what you're saying, and there's only so much you can do sometimes too. So it wasn't perfect before. It's not going to be perfect with Zoom all the time. But generally, I, I think there's a not just with lay witnesses versus uh, attorneys or um, other other folks who might be more accustomed to the courtroom setting, expert witnesses versus uh, late witnesses. There's also a big difference there um, with the, just a, a side note, you asked how, how is it going? And yeah. I, I think it's been good, but it's a mixed bag. And I have one, one situation, we had a Zoom deposition, uh, a, a trucking accident. It was the plaintiff's deposition. We didn't have a choice. We had to do it by Zoom. And just one thing that you miss sometimes is just being able to see the client move around the room, walk around. And it turned out that the client, uh, he didn't disclose it, or the plaintiff didn't disclose that he had a limp or, or a gait issue. And we couldn't tell because we were sitting here like this, but it, one of it came out later and we would have noticed it if we were in the room with him, uh, but we didn't. And so we had to, uh, you know, go through the rigmarole of uh, rescheduling a depth to talk about it. So you know, stuff like that you can miss out on. Uh, hopefully that isn't always the case. And that's kind of a one-off probably because of the disclosure issue. But uh, interesting things like that, that you just miss those maybe key physical observations that you can you can make in those face-to-face -face depositions that you do miss here. But overall, I, I think that this isn't going away for a long time. Uh, and so we better get used to it. I think you brought up you brought up a good point when uh, uh, several good points that just made me start thinking was that you know one of the things that we miss is the human touch and I know when I train a lot of witnesses that we do we've been doing a lot through Zoom and we've actually been pretty successful of doing it over Zoom but I'm telling you trying to and you you guys know this too you know trying to train a witness or trying to prep a witness and be in the room with them and be able to see their mannerisms and be able to see the way they deliver their answers and just being in that room to give them the satisfaction and comfort before they go into deposition. Cause a lot of them are just scared out of their mind. Right. And being able to be there and work with them. I just feel like sometimes being in person, I much prefer it. You know, like I said, this zoom thing's not going away anytime soon, but I do prefer to be in the room with the witness to, to try to help them. But like I said, it's a lot more difficult to do that. So I, th I think that was good. And the other thing that you, you brought up too is kind of these, this point of not being able to see the, the plaintiff fully or have things that come up during the deposition that you weren't sure of or weren't aware of. Do any of you guys have any kind of horror stories? We know we've all seen now at this point that I am not a cat, 
You know, I can assure you I'm not a cat. I know we've all seen that. Have you guys had, maybe not to that extent, but have you guys had any of these horror stories that I've been hearing about people, you know, half in their, in their underwear or having some sort of, I heard one guy had a, his meth pipe behind him in the middle of a, in a middle of a court hearing. Have you guys had any of these horror stories? to um, prevent those things at the outset to the extent possible. Um, as Jim was talking about prepping witnesses, I, I deal with a lot of way lay witnesses with, with different levels of, of education and experience. So I, I do a, a test Zoom run before a deposition. Um, in you know, that way, you know, I don't assume that anybody has, has done this before or they're familiar with Zoom. So that way the, the witness or my client, whomever it is, understands the layout, understands there's going to be multiple people on the screen, understands the dynamics, understands, you know, how to use the mute feature um, and, you know, make sure you have an appropriate name on the screen. So um, I, I think it's helpful to do test runs, especially with lay witnesses. I mean, attorneys, at least for the most part, are pretty experienced with Zoom by now. So there's, there's probably not as many issues with professional witnesses. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of disruptions and things like that, there's a lot of stuff we can't control. I mean, dogs barking, kids, you know, coming into the room, babies crying. Um, you know, I, I have neighbors who like to power wash and um, chip trees during the day when I'm doing things. And, you know, even when I close my windows, I, I can't control that. So Terry had a woodpecker incident, if I recall. I did. Yeah, I was in the <laughs> three-hour deposition and there was um a woodpecker going to town on my uh, <laughs> hiding and uh for it seemed like forever <laughs> hadn't uh heard this this bird before and haven't since knock on wood but um you know what can you do <laughs> yeah colleen what about you you had any horror stories or any experiences in your day Fortunately, I haven't had any horror stories, but what I had, I had one instance where I was deposing a, a plaintiff in a legal malpractice case. And, you know, he was sitting at home on his living room couch, um, obviously very comfortable with his surroundings. Um, so he, you know, during the course of our two and a half hour deposition, <laughs> he made lunch, ate lunch. He then after lunch, you know, he decided that it was time for him to start smoking his cigar. Um, and he did it, like I said, all from the comforts of his living room couch. He would sit back, put his feet up. Um, so I think that, you know, in terms of prepping our own witnesses, you have to remind them that this is still a formal proceeding. This is still something that you, you know, even though you may be wearing sweatpants and slippers, you still have to remember the purpose while you're there. You have to present, um, you know, a, a, a face um in support of your case. You know, this isn't something that, that you should take lightly because you're not at a conference room. You're not sitting at a table with, you know, three court reporters or three attorneys rather and a court reporter. Um, so that, that was my experience was just, you know, unfortunately you see some people that just maybe don't um, either appreciate or, or don't take the, the proceedings the way that they are, are set to be. I think that's a, that's a great point because I think one of the things that, being in a deposition, allowing it, to have it be a little bit anxiety inducing in that at least it causes the witness to be a lot more locked in and focused. Right. And then the fact now, as you said, they're sitting on their couch and that and as, as attorney, you know, opposing counsel is going to try to get, and I talk to witnesses all the time about this is that 
they're going to try to get witnesses more on that casual conversation, right? We're just a couple of people hanging out, asking questions, no big deal. And then you get into that cadence of question, answer and question, answer, and you start really getting into the flow and rather than fully listening to the question right before you respond. So I can see where you get a, if you get a witness who takes that approach and gets a little bit too relaxed in the comfort of their own home, they could very well actually make the case worse because they're not focusing and giving the same answers they would have had they been in an actual room with the attorneys or even at least having you next to them too at the time of the deposition as well, just so that it's not quite as informal so that it, it allows them to remember, hey, this isn't just a couple of people sitting around talking, right? This has real world implications for it. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So I want to talk, we kind of touched briefly on a lot of the things, but uh, starting with you, Jim, let's kind of talk. Actually, you know what, Carrie, I'm going to give you, give it to you first, Carrie. Why don't you talk to us about what are some tips? You had kind of mentioned initially what some tips and tricks are that you use, but kind of what are some tips that you have that others could use in preparing witnesses for Zoom depositions or just preparing yourself as an attorney for Zoom depositions? Sure. Um, we, we touched on some of this, but, you know, as, as Pauline mentioned, it's important to explain to your, your client, you know, especially if it's a non-professional witness who hasn't been through this process before, that this is a formal proceeding. Um, you know, yes, you were on a computer screen, you're in the comfort of your own home or your office or wherever, um, but you're expected to act as if you would, you know, in, in a regular formal courtroom or conference room where a deposition is being conducted. You know, occasionally our clients have to appear for court hearings. And that's a totally different level of preparation because, you know, you're potentially addressing a judge. Um, so don't assume that your clients know to refer to a judge as your honor or judge. Um, you know, don't call the judge by his or her first name. Um, you know, it, it may sound condescending, but again, you don't want to just assume that your client has an understanding of courtroom etiquette beyond what he or she has observed on television. So, um, you know, I, I try to go through those basic things and, you know, it, tell them how to, how to dress, you know, no, you don't necessarily need to wear a suit, but you, you should look presentable. Um, you know, so, you know, something that you would wear to church or something that you would wear to, you know, a funeral or, or whatever, you know, just, just things like that. So you're, you're not embarrassed, um, you know, by your client's behavior and, um, your, your clients don't feel, um, like you didn't adequately prepare them. And, you know, just again, basic understanding of technology, you know, a client may only have a cell phone from which, you know, he or she can zoom and it may not be a great connection. Um, they need to understand how to hold it at the right angle. So we're not looking up their nose the entire time, um, you know, just, just basic things like that, that, you know, we all think we understand and we deal with every day, but it is important to, to walk through um, some of the very basics with, with your clients and witnesses. And, um, you know, as we were saying with depositions, it's going to take a little different um, preparation and perhaps more involved um, because you, you're going to have to electronically organize your, your materials and, you know, it's going to require some education, um, continuing education on all of our parts, because as, as we all mentioned, this isn't going anywhere. So the, the number of depositions and proceedings on Zoom, I think is just going to, to increase before it decreases. So we have an obligation to um, understand technology and, and evolve as things change. 
Great. What about you, Colleen? You have, kind of what are your approach? What are some, some tips that you have? Oh, I wholeheartedly agree with what, what Carrie was saying and the importance of, of you know, prepping your, prepping your witness, making sure that they um, appreciate the, the significance of the depositions. Um, one thing that I, I always tell my clients is that, that this is our time to present you. To, we want to you know, set the best, strongest foot forward um, and, and show the other side that number one, we take these allegations very seriously and that we're here to present our defenses in a meaning, meaningful way. And um, you do that by dressing appropriately. You do that by um, you know, quieting the noises to the extent you can in your, in your house. And, and you, you do that by, um, again, just, uh, just preparing yourself properly and completely for the, for the deposition. Um, I, I think that the prep, the prep work for a deposition uh, is really 90% of the outcome. Um, so if you, you properly prep your, your witness, not only as to the questions that may be presented, but the manner in which you, you answer them and how to conduct himself or herself on the Zoom, I think you'll have a, a better result. I think it's a good point you brought up as well is that you said that the preparation and the deposition testimony is 90% of the outcome. I think that's one of the things that we harp on a lot as well is you cannot overstate the fact of how important a fact witness is, right? If a fact witness steps in it, gives a bad deposition, that settlement offer is either going to get pulled or now, you know, you're going to go into trial or now all of a sudden, oops, that settlement offer just went up three times higher than what it was before because your witness gave a bad deposition. Oh, but absolutely. And, you know, these are folks that, don't have the experience in being deposed or, or how to interpret the way a lawyer is answering a question. And you're absolutely right. Just a, a misunderstanding could send the deposition um, you know, in a direction that it wasn't intended to go on. So, so the more time that you're able to spend with your witnesses before the Zoom call, um, I, I think that the better off you'll be. Great. Jim, you got anything to add on top of that? Yeah, kind of a, a different angle, I think. You mentioned have we had any horror stories yet? I think some of the horror stories are still to come and maybe we're attuned to it. We do, we do a lot of professional liability defense work. Not only do we have to prep our clients for depositions, but we have to prep our clients just generally about what Zoom means for an attorney and other attorneys practicing have to be aware of um, the, the privacy issues, attorney client confidence and, and privilege issues that are associated with these Zoom depths or Zoom hearings or Zoom meetings preparing for a depth. Uh, I see the little red light on right now that we're recording this. Um, you have to assume that any meeting is, you know, going to be stored somewhere. Uh, the chat function on Zoom, uh, whether or not it's a private message, make sure you know that. Tell your client not to be sending you notes during the deposition telling you, oh, I definitely just stepped in it on that question. I hope they don't ask me this. Um, you know, uh, prepping an expert witness um, over Zoom. Are you recording it? Is that is that disclose, disclosable now under, under discovery? It, it, all of those things really need to have a, an extra level of attention in this era. When you think about it, before this year, if you were in a meeting with a client, were you ever videotaped? videotaping it, preparing for a deposition? Was there ever a you know, verbatim contemporary record of, of what you talked about? Probably not. I mean, that goes just not with client meetings, it goes to boardrooms too. Now all these, you know, 
what is discoverable, what's privileged, really requires a new level of um, analysis uh, and day-to-day -day, uh, representation of clients. So when we say, how do we prepare? What are tips for preparing? Make sure you and your client are aware of, of any privilege issues, ethics issues that, that may apply to however you're conducting a Zoom deposition or, or hearing or prep session, anything like that. So th those are the horror stories I'm most concerned about. So, uh, I mean, we haven't seen a lot. Uh, I, I think uh, Colleen and I looked into this a month or so ago, you know, to see what was out there around the country with maybe motions to compel to Zoom itself uh, or uh, for, you know, recordings or, or hearings or anything like that. Uh, I don't think there's a lot out there yet, but it, it will come. It will come. I agree. I agree. And I think we could have a whole other conversation as well about the emergence of these Zoom trials. I know, I'm not sure if Michigan has any right now or if anybody are coming up, but I know we're starting to see some here in Texas that there's there's going to be Zoom trials. And then there's a whole lot of things around that as well about our witnesses, our, our, uh, our jurors actually going to be paying attention the whole time. And how do you present witnesses? Who's going to show up? Are you going to have a difference in demographics based upon it being Zoom versus being in person? And like you said, there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of stuff unknown going forward in the future as far as how trials are going to present and going forward just from, like you said, the deposition all the way up through the trial phase. Have you guys gotten a sense of any of that in, in Michigan at all? I'm, I'm going to jump in there. And Carrie is probably the best equipped to answer. She's really connected with the, the local courts here. But you're in Texas, we're in Michigan. There's a great article. I don't know if I can even talk about other publications here. Uh, but in the Atlantic coming out next month that focuses on Texas and Michigan and, and access to justice issues, Zoom hearings, Zoom depositions. Uh, and I, I will say in Michigan, uh, obviously we, we were hard hit in the beginning, but something a lot of people didn't know is the courts had already licensed Zoom before COVID to make this transition. So th mm. this was coming no matter what. And I, uh, Chief Justice um, McCormick said it right where this is, you know, this change was thrust upon us. It's not necessarily what we wanted, but uh, when, when we wanted it, but it was, it's what we needed, you know? And so, uh, like you said, how this is going to change jury jury makeup access to justice issues uh it's going to be really interesting but i don't think it's going in a, a way anytime soon especially for routine depositions i hate saying routine because no depositions routine but uh you know settlement conferences uh status conferences i can i can see this being the norm forever essentially so Good point yeah, Carrie, what have, you, what have you heard from Michigan in your area? Yeah, right now, there, there's still quite a bit of resistance, at least from the attorney standpoint, to handling jury trials by Zoom. And it's, it's very understandable for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, Steve. Um, you know, we don't have any control over jurors um, beyond their screen. You know, when, when jury trials are held in person, um, you know, they're, they're required, of course, to report in person. Um, to the jury assembly room in each courthouse until they're seated um, for a particular trial. And then from there, the, the judge's staff has almost complete management control over the jurors. You know, they're, they're in a jury room that's assigned to that particular judge. They can't leave the room on breaks or during deliberations without um, somebody knowing about it. And they can't use their cell phones. They can't communicate with outside um, sources. So, 
what, how do we manage that um, remotely? And the answer is, I don't think we can. Um, so at least now there, there has been some movement to try to encourage jury trials, at least civil jury trials on, on you know, again, not insignificant because all cases are significant, but on some of the smaller cases, some of the cases that may take a day or two to try don't have expert testimony, um, you know, things that aren't terribly complicated or time consuming. But I, I'm personally concerned about that because, you know, I, I don't know that I can be as effective as a litigator at my desk or in my living room. Um, whereas I, I feel much more confident and a better advocate in a courtroom. Um, now there are some um, courts in particular family courts that are doing bench trials and, you know, other evidentiary hearings via Zoom, because it's, it's a little more amenable to that when you're not dealing with juries. Um, the, the biggest issue that courts are facing right now is the criminal trials, because criminal defendants have constitutional rights. And we have a lot of people who have been sitting in jail for over a year or longer, waiting to have their day in court. And, you know, we have speedy trial rules and things like that, that have kind of been you know, pushed aside because judges' hands are tied. Um, you know, Oakland County, um, which is one of the larger counties in Michigan, in where we we do a lot of practice, um, they were scheduled to be resume criminal trials in in March, uh, but because of the in-person criminal jury trials, but because of the the spike in cases, the um, state court administrator's office pushed them back into what's called phase one. Um, where there are no in-person jury trials. And, you know, we, how can we expect jurors to feel comfortable reporting? Um, you know, I, a lot of the courts have taken all the precautions they can. There's plexiglass, there's distancing, but, you know, can we compel members of the public to come in and serve as jurors um, under the present set of circumstances? So there's a, there's a lot of variables. Um, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And, and as we've all said, this isn't going away, um, even when numbers level out. So it'll be interesting to see, but um, I, I don't see us doing remote jury trials anytime soon. That's good. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested, uh, Jen, to, to hear about that Atlantic article you're talking about. It sounds like it'd be interesting, especially from a, being in a Texan and looking yeah. at it. Focused on our two states, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you can read it, and you know, one point Harry just brought up is you know some of some attorneys uh, highlighted in that article, you know, are refusing to try cases remotely, uh, and the the flip side of that is, well, does a virtual setting maybe level the playing field, take some of the theatrics out of it, and make people focus more on just the law and the facts. So it's very interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think we might need a guy <laughs> back on for another episode just to talk yeah. about all of that. Uh, but just to wrap this up, uh, Colleen, so if, if people need to get a hold of you, if they want to ask you questions, if they have anything that came up during this podcast, how do they get a hold of you? Um, they can reach me via email. Um, my email address is colleen.burke, C-O-L-L-E-E-N dot B-U-R-K-E at C-E-F lawyers. It's Charlie Edward Frank lawyers.com. Great. Carrie, how about you? Yeah, I can also be reached um, via email. My email address is Carrie, K-A-R-I 
melconian, M-E-L-K-O-N-I-A-N at cefloyers.com. I am also on LinkedIn. And of course, um, anybody is welcome to call me. Um, <laughs> sadly, I have to check what my uh, phone number is here because I'm not giving out my office number too often these days, but that is 248-351-5436. Great. And then James, how about you? Yeah. Uh, james.hunter at ceflawyers.com also on LinkedIn and uh, our, uh, our firm's main number if you want to get a hold of any of us is 248-355-4141 so great I appreciate you guys having you on this has been another edition of the litigation psychology podcast brought to you by courtroom sciences have a good one thank you thank you